0: You're listening to The Promised Church's Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Jonathan. For more information about who we are, please visit us at thepromisechurch.com. Good morning. Thank you, church, for joining us today. I don't know about you, but I'm still trying to recover from our worship time. God's presence is so good, and He was in this room. I hope he was in your room wherever you are gathered or or with your family or uh, If you're by yourself that you would just feel that amazing sweet presence of the lord with you right now I'm excited to share his word with you Uh, I have some some things on my heart that I I believe the lord has given me to to release to you And I, I believe you'll be encouraged. I believe that you'll encounter jesus today uh, if you're with your family, make sure you, you know, have your kids participate with you if they're not doing something on their own already and and grab a pen and a notepad and grab your Bible and you're going to want to take some good notes today. God's got some great things for you to go back to throughout the week and, and, and for him to speak to you in. So I'm excited to share those thoughts with you. Before we get too, before we get going too far and, and, and jump in, I just want to pray and Keep our hearts focused on him in this moment. Oh, Lord Jesus, we love you so much. You're so wonderful. You're beyond our comprehension, Lord. You're better than we could ever think or imagine. Holy Spirit, I just ask in this time, in this moment, that you would do what you do best, which is reveal Jesus. Jesus. Reveal Jesus to every person, Lord, every soul, every eye and every ear that is watching and listening right now. And Lord, I ask that you would just transform us. You would make us more like you. That we would see you and never be the same. We love you, Jesus. We love you so much. We give you our love. We give you our heart, our attention, our affection. It's all about you, Lord. We thank you for your goodness and your kindness. We thank you for what you've done and shedding your blood and giving your life for us, Lord. May we never take it for granted. We thank you. In your name, Amen. Amen you have your Bibles with you or you use an iPad or a phone, turn to John chapter 19. John 19, and we're going to start in verse 30. John 19, 30. And if you need a title for today, uh, simply the message title would be, Looking is Believing. Looking is Believing. And we're going to talk about what that means here in just a moment. Many times people will say, I won't believe it until I see it. And often people would say, seeing is believing, but Part of the amazingness of the Christian faith is knowing that we believe and follow a God that we physically, with our eyes, many times can't see. And so today I want to talk about that a little bit and, and dive in to God's Word of what He says, of what He's looking for in faith, and what He's looking for with our hearts and our souls and our lives. So hopefully you're there already. John 19, verse 30, it says this, When He, meaning Jesus had received the drink. And this is when he is on the cross in the final moments of his life hanging on that cross. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now it was the day of preparation and the next day was to be a special Sabbath. It was the Passover, the day of atonement. Only was celebrated once a year. Because the Jewish leaders did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water The man who saw it was John, who wrote this with the Holy Spirit, has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you may also believe. These things happen so that the Scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken, and as another Scripture says, they will look on the one they have pierced. I want to say that one more time. They will look on the one they have pierced. My heart and our heart as the promised church is always to be ones that would encourage you and challenge you and ask you to look to Jesus for everything and in everything. For in looking to him, you will find all that you need and all that you want and all that you could imagine. In his person and in his presence is everything. Jesus is enough for us. He is our everything. We don't need to look to anyone else or anywhere else or to anything else. He is all that we need. And all those other things will come. They will come secondary. His gifts, his provision. Don't look to him for those things. Look to him for him, to know him. And when you see him, you will be satisfied deeply and wholly and fully I I truly and fully believe that in looking to Jesus, pursuing him, seeking him, coming to him and connecting with him and putting our attention fully on him, it's in every situation and everything that that is the answer and the solution to all we could ever face. When you look to him, you will find the answer to anything that you will ever go through. He went through so much in his own life so that he could simply and personally relate to you because he loves you so, so very much. Jesus is the solution and the answer for our families, for our marriages, for our finances, for our health, for our peace, for our mental and emotional stability. He is the answer. Don't look to anywhere else. Don't look to anyone else. Look to him and let him lead you and let him guide you. For when you look to him again, Everything is found in Jesus. If you're looking for love, he is love, personified and demonstrated. If you're looking for peace, he is the Prince of Peace. If you're looking for joy, in his fullness is, or in his presence is the fullness of joy. And he holds and has the oil of joy and gladness. If you are looking for power, there is no one more powerful. He is all powerful. If you're looking for wisdom, in the person of Jesus are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. If you're looking for healing, he is the healer. If you're looking for provision, he is the provider. If you're looking for rescuing, he is the savior. If you're looking and seeking after truth, he is the truth. If you need guidance and direction, He is the way. If you are looking for comfort, His Spirit is the comforter. If you're looking for friendship and you feel alone and lonely, He is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. He is everything and more. If you're looking for a fresh start in life and you feel like your life is old and stale, you're looking for a new life, I'm telling you, he is life itself and he makes everything brand new. If you're looking and if you're feeling dry and you're feeling like your life is feeling old and dry, I'm telling you, he is the fountain of life and he never goes dry and you will never ever go dry when you have him bubbling up on the inside of you. Jesus is the king of kings and the lord of lords. He is everything and more and he is enough for us. Please look to him. Look to him even in this moment right now. I I realize and I I know in my own life that most of the problems that I face, most of the problems that I go through and most of the problems in our world today and in our lives and in our region happen simply because we have taken our attention off of him, simply because we began to look to other things or other people to be our satisfaction or to be our solution. We need to look only to Jesus. To what what I'm sharing with you today is a simple word. I've shared many of these things with you before if you've been part of our church for a long time, but I, I know I believe wholeheartedly in being reminded, and that we need at times to be refocused and we need to get back to the simplicity of Jesus, that we should never leave the simplicity of Jesus. It's when we add all the complexities of life and we try to look for other additions, is when we begin to, to fall away. We begin to sin. I don't believe that sin comes upon us suddenly. I don't believe that all of a sudden someone's on fire for Jesus, and then it's like they fell off a cliff, and they began to sin fully and wholeheartedly. I believe it's a progression. It comes in waves and stages where the heart and the soul and the mind of a person begins to wander and begins to drift and look to and from to other places and loses its attention fully on the Lord. I've experienced this myself, even recently, in the last couple of weeks, and during these times, I, there was a couple moments where I began to feel discouraged about some different things, and I let that discouragement linger too long, and I began to, to feel down, and, I, I, and then all of a sudden, the Lord, like, came to me, and I was like, Lord, how come this didn't go so well? I, I, I don't understand. I, I did my best. I thought I did what you asked me to do. I don't know why it didn't land with the, the people I was talking to, and, and the Lord simply said, you were more focused even on what you wanted to say than you were on me in that moment. And it was an eye-opening moment for me that even in the midst of good intentions, even in the midst of trying to do the right thing or, or reveal Jesus to someone, I had lost sight of him and was simply focusing on what I had to say more than on him. There's been other moments where I've been... Of allowed discouragement or allowed distraction to come in, and then all of a sudden I do something, maybe not terribly wrong, but I do something where it's like, Why did I do that? Why did I say that? And I realize, Oh my goodness, I've I lost sight of Jesus. I, I began to be distracted or consumed with other things and other thoughts. This is how sin entered our world, really. This is how sin originated into our whole lives as human beings in the garden. And with Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3, they, would, they were walking with God face to face. They had all of the beauty and wonder of creation before them. They had so much abundance around them and so many amazing things to enjoy with each other and with God. And yet somehow they began to be enamored and captivated by the one thing in the garden they were not supposed to be around. The one thing in the garden they were not supposed to eat and it it says that and they began to entertain a conversation with the devil a conversation they should have never had they should have never even gone in that direction of a conversation and they began to talk to him and then all of a sudden they were captivated by the fruit it says that they they saw that the fruit was pleasing to the eye their eye was captivated and captured and distracted and deterred from walking face to face with Jesus from all of his blessing, all of the fullness and abundance that he had given them. And in that moment, they sinned and they disobeyed God. And that brought sin into the whole world and all of humanity and all of the world has been affected by that choice ever since that moment. And we today still every moment, every day have the opportunity to choose Jesus and to look to him or to look away. John Piper says this, Sin is what we do when we aren't satisfied in God. Sin is what we do when we aren't satisfied in God. Psalms chapter 10, verse 4 says this, In his pride, the wicked man does not seek him, meaning God. The wicked man does not seek God. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. There's a selfishness, an independence of doing life the way I think best, doing life the way I want to. You can't tell me what is right. You can't tell me what is wrong. I will do what I want to do. Maybe you think something is true. That doesn't mean I have to think it's true. This is the atmosphere and the attitude of our world today. It's full of pride, self-centeredness. I'm telling you, the most dissatisfied and unfulfilling life is the self-centered life trying to only please yourself. The most fulfilling life is knowing Jesus. And trying and pursuing Him and knowing Him and letting Him satisfy you with Himself. Even for Christians, it is possible to not, in a sense, make room for God. Really, the Christian life isn't making room for Him, it is giving Him the room. If a scientist Can lose sight of the Creator when studying and experimenting with the earth and with mankind, then a Christian can lose sight of Jesus while attending worship services and reading their Bible. But if our eyes are on Jesus, He will keep us from that. He will keep us from being distracted. So, at the core of it, in simplicity, What does it mean to look at or to look to or behold Jesus? I want to just break it down. I know there's many watching who have known Jesus a long time. I also know that there's probably many watching that are brand new to Jesus, recently have began to choose to follow him. And I also realize that there's people watching in this moment that don't know him, that don't have a relationship with him, And I want to break this down for us simply to understand what Jesus is looking for, what he is asking for, and what we can do in looking to him and what it means. John chapter 6 verse 40 says this, For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. A couple chapters earlier in the book of John, Jesus is having a moment with a man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a Pharisee, a teacher of the law. He was a teacher of the Jewish people. And he came to Jesus asking questions. And Jesus began to talk to him about what it meant to be born again. about what it meant, in a sense, to be saved and and to, to receive new life from God. And Jesus began to explain by pulling Nicodemus' attention back to a story in the Old Testament, to a story in Numbers chapter 21, where the people of Israel began to complain and murmur against God and against Moses and were ungrateful for what God had done for them and providing for them every day. And God sent snakes into their camp, and the snakes bit the people, and many were being sick, and many were dying. And the people cried out to God for mercy, And and God told Moses take a snake a bronze snake and put it on a pole and everyone who looks upon that snake and upon that pole will be healed and Jesus references that moment with Nicodemus to explain in a sense how to be born again Jesus said in John 3 just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness so the son of man himself Jesus must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. And then he goes on to say, John 3, 16, one of the most well-known verses in all of our world today. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life, have eternal life. From this passage in John 6 that we just read where it says, everyone who looks to the Son and believes shall have eternal life. And from this story from Numbers 21 and Jesus referencing in John 3 and, and what he said in John three sixteen, we can see the correlation here. We can see here that looking and believing are synonymous terms. Looking in the Old Testament is, the, is identical with believing in the New Testament Christ. They are the same thing. While Israel looked with their external eyes, believing is done from the heart. Believing is done with the heart. One of my favorite writers and authors, A.W. Tozer, says this in his book, The Pursuit of God, which I recommend all of you to read and read multiple times. He said this, that faith is the gaze of the soul upon a saving God. Faith is the gaze of of the soul upon a saving God. To me, this brings so many other scriptures to life to realize that faith in God and coming to him with our lives is not a one-time act, but a continual looking, a continual coming, a continual gaze to him that our looking is done in faith and that our faith comes from and is proven by our continual looking. These scriptures I want to read just a few scriptures for you that kind of illustrate this, that point to this. In Psalm 16, verse 8, one of my favorites, it says, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Psalms 105, verse 4, look to the Lord and his strength, seek his face always. Always seek his face. John 6, 29, this is Jesus speaking of what God is looking for. The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent, to believe in himself, to believe in Jesus. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says this, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Jesus is our faith. We can't have faith without him. He gives us our faith and he is the object of our faith, that we must continually look to him. We can see in these scriptures I just listed the present tense nature of these words, that faith and looking are not a one and done act, but a continual gaze of the attention of the heart at God. That believing is directing the heart's attention to Jesus. Jesus doesn't even want it to happen one time in our life where we turn to him and repent and ask him to forgive our sins, we pray a prayer, and we hope to go to heaven one day. He doesn't just want that. He wants a continual looking. He doesn't even want a looking one time a day where we just set some time aside and we have our secret place time, our devotional time. And we look to him for one moment and then we forget him the rest of the day and we go forward and do whatever else we want. No, he wants us to be focused on him, captivated by him all throughout our day, all the time, never stopping. In these times that we are in, it's been very common and it's happening at a record pace where people are actually looking in the scriptures for answers right now. They are looking in the book of Revelation. They are looking in different passages of scripture that speak on the end times simply to try to understand what is going on in the world around us. Simply trying to have some sense of knowledge and some, some sense of security People will feel out of control completely with so many other things going on in their lives. There are so many aspects of our lives right now that are out of our control. And when we are in those moments, often we feel the most anxious, the most stressed, the most uh, insecure, and the most just weirded out. And we we begin to look to other things and other places to try to find some normalcy, to find something to, to calm us down, to find something where we are in control. And I'm telling you that the Christian life offers you a life of no control, <laughs> where you're fully surrendered to Jesus, and there's no better place to be, and no better place, no, no better way to live. In, in many ways during this time, when everything is being stripped away, really it's a dress rehearsal for the day where we will stand before God and have to give an account for our lives, where everything is shaken, everything that could be burned away, is burned away, and we have to actually look at our lives, really, and be like, what have I done with my life? How have I stewarded what God gave me? What choices have I made, and what are the fruit, what is the fruit of those choices? As Christians, as followers of Jesus, we should be at peace, We should have assurance. We should have confidence about that day. We should look forward to that day. We should actually cry out, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus, come. My my desire would be that instead of looking in the book of Revelation for an understanding and interpretation of the times that we live in, instead of looking to the Bible for some answers so that we can understand and then continue life as it was before, that we would actually look at the person that the book of Revelation is all about and, and look at the person who is the author of the Bible, the living word of God himself, Jesus. For the book of Revelation really is the, the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's who it is all about. In, John, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 16, it says this, We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this, love is perfected with us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because, I ha- or excuse me, because as he is, so are we also in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out or casts out fear. Because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. Bill Johnson, one of my heroes from Bethel Church, says this, You become what you behold. If you live a life of looking to Jesus, if we behold him, if we give him our attention, then we will become like him. And if we are like him in our lives and in our love, then we can have confidence and no fear to be able to stand before him either when we are on our last, we breathe our last breath or when he comes again. For me, I try to go before his throne every day and ask him, Lord, search me and know me. See if there's any wicked in me and remove it, Lord, and guide me in your way. Lord, I surrender to you today. I surrender my life fully to you. I follow you. I want to know you. I want to obey you in every area of my life. If you practice coming to him every day, if you practice looking to him every day, if you practice surrendering to him every day, then that moment when you actually have to stand before him, it won't be too different than every day that you've lived your life because you will be in his presence every moment and you will recognize his presence in that moment. We should not be afraid of that day, but we should welcome it. We should long for that day to be united again forever with the lover of our souls. If you're a believer or one that doesn't know Jesus and you are afraid of that day, and that makes you nervous and scared, I would encourage you to do what Jesus actually called the church of Ephesus to do in Revelations chapter 2, which was to repent. What is repentance? Repentance simply is choosing to turn from the way you had been going and turn and looking at Jesus and choosing to follow him with all of your life, with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Choosing to love him and put him first in your life. Repentance really is that turning and looking. But as you look, all of a sudden, you'll experience the other elements of repentance where you'll recognize and have a godly sorrow for the choices you've made. And you'll be like, why was I distracted? Why was I consumed with so many other things? Oh God, I only want you. And then all of a sudden, you'll begin to think differently and live differently because you'll be changing your mind, changing the way you think, which is another aspect of repentance. And I'm telling you, when you do that, You will experience him in such a real and powerful way. Turn and look to him. Turn and look to him and follow him today. For for Jesus, he waits to be wanted. He seeks to be sought. He longs to be longed for, and he desires to be desired above all else. He wants you. He loves you so, so much. So I just want to, for a few moments now, talk practically with you. What does it actually mean on a practical level to look to Jesus? What does it mean that to live this life of faith by looking? One time I asked the Lord, how do I explain to someone how to spend time alone with you? Because if you don't know this, time alone with the Lord in the secret place should be our, one of our, should be really our highest priority and value. One of the most valuable things to us that we prioritize to do every day to spend time alone with Him. And often we say that we have that value. In fact, I I, I venture to say, if all of you were asked, do you think that it's important to spend time with Jesus every day? Do you think it's important to spend time alone with him? We'd all say yes. But then in the moment, all of a sudden, other things become more valuable. Whether it's our sleep, whether it's our work, whether it's our our chores and our, our tasks, Whether it's a phone and social media or the TV show or the video game, all of a sudden other things become more valuable in the moment. But I'm telling you, there can't be anything else more valuable than being with him. Because if we love him, we will want to be with him more than anything else. So I asked the Lord this one time, Lord, how how do I explain this? How do I give this uh, an illustration of some kind to someone? I just asked the Lord and I sat simply and quietly before him. And I've shared this before with our church. And I just was sitting there in the dark and I waited a few moments and nothing came. And so then I turned on the lamp that was right next to me. And all of a sudden I looked down on the floor and underneath the, 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 in a sense, the light, um, what am I trying to say? The, the, the shelf that the light was on, there was a bookmark that one of my kids had from school for, one of the, for a book. And it was, in a sense, an advertisement for the railroad, about railroad safety. And it said, if you will stop, look, listen, you will live. And I thought, oh my goodness, there is no better way to explain how to spend time alone with Jesus. If we will stop, if we will look, if we will listen We will live. So I want to break these down for you real quick. Stop. What does it mean to stop? Psalms 46.10 says Cease striving and know that I am God. Everything must be done from a place of rest in him. As I read at the very beginning, Jesus said it is finished. He has done it, and now we receive what he has done. And we live our lives from a place of his rest, That doesn't mean that we don't have any activities and responsibilities, but we do them from a place of abiding in his presence, from a place of rest in him. Some more scriptures for you. Zephaniah 1.7 says this, be silent before the Lord, before the sovereign Lord, for the day of the Lord is near. Come on. If it was near in Zephaniah's day, it's even more near today. Be silent before him. Another scripture that won't pop up on your screen, but I want to share with you is Psalms 37 7. And it says this Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. We live in a very active and busy life where everything is supposed to be in a hurry. Even in all of this that's going on with COVID 19. We could still find ourselves preoccupied with so many other things and be in a hurry. We could try to find things to fill our time and to fill our mind and distract ourselves from the circumstances going on. But I'm telling you, if you will come into the presence of God and still yourself, still your mind, your thoughts, your emotions, your heart, and look to Jesus, oh, you will be so enriched and satisfied and encounter him in such a real way. I'm telling you, when I experience the presence of God so strongly and so powerfully, like I did just a few moments ago here in our time of worship, I can't speak. (laughs) I am simply trying to survive. I am simply trying to hold hold on, and I I'm overwhelmed by his love and his presence. There is nothing that can come out of my mouth except maybe the simple thing of, oh Jesus, you're so good. Oh Jesus, I love you. I'm overwhelmed by the intensity of his presence. When you are in that place with him, there are no words. And you are connecting with him from the deepness of your heart and your soul and you are finding real life in him in that moment. And that is what he wants for you. Number two Look, Psalm 1715 says this, As for me, I shall behold your face in righteousness. When I awake, I shall be, I shall be satisfied with seeing your likeness. I'm telling you, there's nowhere else you're going to find satisfaction for your life than from looking to Jesus. How do you look to him? How do you look real quickly and simply? Worship. Reading the Bible, it's the living word. He is the word of God. Look to him in the scriptures. Don't look for information. Jesus is not an idea. He is not a philosophy. He is not a doctrine. He is not a teaching. He is a person. He is a person that wants that you need to know. And he is a person that wants you to know him. Look to him in the scriptures. Worship him. I don't know about you, but I need to close my eyes to actually look to him. It's against the normal natural thinking that we would have, but when I close my eyes and set my heart still before him and focus on him, I actually begin to see him from my soul, from my heart. Number three, listen. Listen to him. Isaiah 55 verse three. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. Did you catch those words there? Come to him. Listen to him and you will live. Habakkuk 2.20. You know that God is moving powerfully when we're pulling scriptures out of Zephaniah and Habakkuk. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Come on. Sometimes we come to the Lord with our lists, with so much to say, and he wants to hear our hearts, and he wants us to pray to him. But I'm telling you, he has better things to say than we do. If we will simply still ourselves long enough to listen to his voice, we will find all that we're looking for. And last one, number four, live. I would encourage you to live to look and to look to live. Live to look and look to live. In, 12 verse, in Revelation 12 verse 11, it says this, and they, over, and they conquered him, the devil, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. We like the first two, that we overcame, that we were victorious by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Both of those things Jesus did for us. And the last one, by not loving their lives even unto death, simply means that we are dead to ourselves And he is alive and living through us. That we have laid our lives before him and surrendered to him. And we are simply saying, Jesus, you're in charge. Jesus, I want you. You're my king. You're my savior. You're my Lord. And I look to you. As I read at the very beginning, they will look upon the one they have pierced. It is so hard to sin. I believe it's actually impossible to sin and to drift away from looking at Jesus when you daily practice beholding him on that cross for you. When you daily remember what he did for you with the shedding of his blood, what he did for you and the beating he took in his body and dying for you. This is why I love communion and why I recommend communion for people to take it multiple times, uh, taking it every day at least or, or several times a week at minimum. Uh, I would encourage you especially to take it more often than what we are able to do corporately when we take communion together. There's such power in it. Jesus, I believe, speaks to us in such a profound way in those things. And, and we should never lose sight of the cross. We're, we had Easter last weekend. We had Good Friday. We had Easter, and I love those times. I love those seasons and moments, but we should live in a reality of the cross and the reality of the resurrection every day, every moment through our day, that we should never take for granted. We should never forget what Jesus did for us on that day. We should never forget how he died for us and that he is alive today. Paul said this. In 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And he later went on to say in in chapter 2, verse 2, that I have resolved to know nothing while I was among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. We must live from that place of what he did on the cross. The fear of the Lord simply is an awareness of his presence every day. An awareness of him. Maybe you gotta take time throughout your day and and pull away, sneak away, and have a Selah moment on your lunch break. Maybe you you gotta do it in your home and, and go into the bathroom, not to use it, but to actually like get away from the kids for a moment and quiet yourself before the Lord and set your attention and your affection back on him. I would encourage you to do that as often as you can. I would encourage you to to pray and to to talk to him all throughout your day. He's wanting that kind of a friendship, that kind of a partnership of doing life together. When we live that way, we we will live in a place of looking and believing. We We will live in a place of seeing him, of beholding him all the time. I wanna just ask you right now, wherever you're at, In your homes, that you would put distractions aside and that you would put your focus on Jesus right now. That you would even close your eyes and picture Jesus on the cross for you right now in this moment. That you would behold the Lamb of God that was slain for you, the one whose mouth spoke the universe into existence, who had his mouth beaten with human fists and his face spat upon. The one who formed mankind from the dust with his hands now had those hands nailed to a tree. I hope you feel his presence right now, as I do, even in this moment. The one who walked on water and on the earth he made his feet or he, excuse me, the one who walked on the water and on the earth he made had his feet nailed to that same tree. The one whom possesses all wisdom and all knowledge, the the one and only great king now wore a crown of thorns too small for his head that pressed into his skull. The one who breathed life from his mouth into Adam hung on a cross parched of thirst the one who constantly hears heaven's praises who is mocked and cursed at the one tempted in every way just as we are yet was without sin the righteous one the blameless one the spotless lamb of God became sin for us and died a criminal's death in our place the one who came to earth so that, we could, so that he could walk by our side had his side pierced to make sure he was dead. The one who is altogether lovely and our beautiful bridegroom, Yeshua, was beaten, unrecognizable, and mostly red from his precious blood shed. He did it for you and he did it for me. The one who is life itself, gave up his life and lay dead in a tomb. But now, but now he has been miraculously raised. He is alive today. He is seated at the Father's right hand. And he is coming back again on the clouds. And I want you to picture him as he is described in Revelations chapter one to see how he looks now, to see how he looks today. He he is the one with a robe uh, reaching down to his feet and a golden sash around his chest with hair white like wool and eyes like blazing fire with feet like glowing bronze and his voice like the sound of rushing waters with his face like the shining sun, and coming out of his mouth is a double-edged sword, the one who holds the seven angels of the seven churches in his right hand and who walks among his church. He is the rider of the white horse who is called faithful and true. His name is the word of God, and he leads the army of heaven. This is our king. This is our Jesus. This is the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the living one who holds the keys of death and sin and hell, the one who is, who was, and who is to come. This is our Lord, Yeshua the Christ. Oh, Jesus. Look to him today. Look to him today. Don't look anywhere else. Look to him today. For in looking to him, you will find all that you need. Maybe you're watching today and you don't know him. You don't have a relationship with him. I implore you, I ask of you that you would give your life fully to Jesus. Don't wait another day. We are not promised tomorrow. Give him your whole life now. Make your where you are an altar before the Lord and come to him and confess your need of Him. In just a moment, I'm going to give you that opportunity to pray, and to receive Jesus, but I also feel that there's many who would say that they have a relationship with the Lord, but they have become so distracted and preoccupied with so many other things. I'm telling you, repent. Repent. For you too, turn your your room, wherever you are right now, into into an altar before the Lord, and give Him your life again today. Come to Him today. Surrender fully to him today. Give him your full attention again, once again. Let Make sure he is your first love. That you love him first and most above all. If that's you and you have never given your life to Jesus and you want to do that today, I ask that you would simply turn your heart to him in this moment. You may feel his presence even upon you right now. Your heart might be beating quickly. You you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You feel his presence. Turn your heart to him and pray this with me genuinely. It's not about the words. It's about your heart looking to him, believing upon him and choosing to follow him in this moment. Pray this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I come to you. I open the door of my heart to you. And I ask that you would come in. That you would make your home in me. I choose to look to you, Jesus. I ask that you'd forgive me of my sins. I ask that you would wash me with your precious blood. Holy Spirit, come into my life and fill me Lord Jesus, I make you the Lord of my life. I choose to follow you wholeheartedly this day. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for what you've done for me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, if you prayed that prayer from your heart today, and you chose to give Jesus your full life, I just ask that you would let us know. Comment on the feed. Message us. Tell us. Reach out to someone who you know knows Jesus that follows him. Tell them the decision that you've made. We are meant to do life together in community, and we need one another to help each other to live this life of following Jesus. We want to encourage you to read your Bible every day, to choose to spend time alone with him every day, And we would just love to encourage you and help pray with you uh, if if you made that decision. I love you, Promise Church. We miss you so much. I can't wait for us to be able to gather together again someday soon. Let me just pray with you one more moment. I'm going to pass this off to Pastor Aaron to close this, uh, this time up. Lord Jesus, we love you so much. We look to you. You are enough for us, Jesus. You are everything, oh God. And we love you and we give you our whole attention, our whole lives, our whole affection, God and we thank you so much for what you've done. I plead the blood of Jesus over every person watching in this moment right now. God, that you would grace us to look to you in all things at all times. God, that our hearts would be fully captivated by you and with you. And Lord, that we would live each day mindful of your presence and aware of you with us every moment. I, ho- I ask, Holy Spirit, for every person under the sound of my voice that they would encounter you in their secret place like never before, that they would experience you, oh. God, God, that you would break off all loneliness, all anxiety, all fear, all depression by your mighty and precious name. Lord, I ask, Holy Spirit, that people would know without a doubt that you are with them, that you are the friend that sticks closer than a brother. Lord, that you are Emmanuel, God, with us. I ask these things in your precious name, in Jesus' mighty name. Please say with me, amen. Amen. Thank you so much.